This podcast is part of E2C Network, where we share the whole Auburn experience. Hi, this is reigning rider Danny Latimer, and you're listening to War Horses, the only college equestrian podcast hosted by Auburn Elvis. Thank you very much. Welcome back, everybody, from the winter break. And I want to start off the show with a special thank you to SMU Rainer, Danny Latimer, for helping out with that intro. She had a really good weekend, but I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here. The spring season has resumed. We had a handful of meets this weekend, but before I talk about those, I want to catch everybody up on just the national rankings and how the major teams did this fall. These are the NCEA rankings, but keep in mind, they are often wrong, and in those cases, I will be sure to tell you about it. But first, let's talk about a team that everyone agrees uh, is the number one team in the nation, and that is SMU. <laughs> now, the Mustangs are the only undefeated dual-discipline team in the nation. They started off red hot. They narrowly defeated the defending national champs, uh, Oklahoma State, in Stillwater in week one. And then they rattled off three straight home victories as well on that. Now, their fall season was a little light. Uh, Basically, they left the the Eastern College Athletic Conference, and that left them with a a few holes in their schedule. But they're going to make up for that in the spring where it is just loaded. They're going to ride five straight road meets, and then they're going to finish at home against Texas A&M. So lots of good action uh, ahead for the Mustangs. But they're number one right now, and everybody agrees on that. The number two team is also one that uh, we agree on, and that's TCU. (laughs) The Horned Frogs started off the fall with a very close road win at Texas A&M, and then they won a few more meets, and then they lost at Baylor, and then they won three straight before the break. They're a one-loss team, but they're in a great position. Number two team. The number three team is Auburn. Now again, no argument for me here. The Tigers started off with a nice road win at Georgia, and then they lost in a shocker at UC Davis. But they rattled off five straight wins after that. So overall, pretty good fall for Auburn. They would have liked to have gotten that road uh, meet back, but you can't have everything that you want in life. And so a one-loss Auburn team with the way things finished out for them is pretty good. The next team is number four, Texas A&M. Once again, the NCEA gets this one right. Now, they actually did a lot of the getting the, the rankings right right before the break, so good job to all the NCEA voters for staying awake this season. Uh, the Aggies had a good record. Uh, it was very close to being a great record. They lost in a tiebreaker to open the season against TCU. Then they lost 8-10 to on the last uh, ride uh, when they were at Georgia, so very close there. Uh, in the spring, Aggies are going to get Auburn and Georgia at home, and their trip to South Carolina, TCU, and SMU will all be tough. So we'll see how things go for the Aggies. They were very close to having just a great fall. We'll see how it goes for the spring. They could have a great spring, or it could be up and down just like the fall was. We'll see. The number five team is South Carolina. <laughs> If there was a most improved award, South Carolina would get it. And you know what? This is my show, and I can do whatever I want. So congratulations, Gamecocks. You have won the most improved team of the fall season award. 
They started off the win at Delaware State, which Georgia can tell you that ain't a given. Uh, Then they fared about as well as you would expect in a few meets, but they finished with a narrow home win over Georgia. In fact, uh, since they only have two losses and A&M has three losses, I actually considered putting Carolina at number four, um, but the head-to-head results should matter when teams are this close, so I actually agree with the NCEA at having the Gamecocks down at number five here. But still, that's a great position for them. They've got a lot of room for improvement, and they could improve, so good job for them. Moving right along, we have number six, Oklahoma State. The Cowgirls have been good but not great so far. They opened up with that home loss to SMU, but they did about as expected in the conference play. They um, won at home and lost on the road, which is kind of what you're going to get a lot of times. Then they finished the fall with a, a not great loss on the road at Auburn, so they're really hoping to change their fortunes here in the spring. The number seven team is Georgia. And the Bulldogs had a very similar fall season uh, that Oklahoma State did. Georgia opened with a home loss to Auburn, but then they performed pretty much as you would expect in the rest of their meets until they lost narrowly at both South Carolina and at Delaware State. So the Bulldogs are also kind of hankering for a chance to turn things around here. The number eight spot is very important because that is the cutoff for the National Championship Tournament in Ocala, Florida this April. And if the season were over right now, Baylor would be that last team in the tournament. It took the Bears a few meets before they could get a win, but it was a big one. They handed TCU their only loss of the fall. Uh, The next meets went about as expected, and it ended up giving Baylor a 3-4 record at the break. The Bears really need to get a few more wins, though, because there are a pair of teams that are below them that could catch them if Baylor uh, continues to lose a whole bunch of meets. Now, we could stop there since only the top eight make it into the postseason, but since 10 is a nice round number, we're going to keep on going. The number nine team is UT Martin. Now, here is where I do differ from the NCEA voters. This fall, UT Martin went 2-3 and three with no marquee wins. So in my rankings, I actually have the Skyhawks down at number 10 and the next team at number 9. And that next team is UC Davis. Hello, you. The NCEA has the Aggies at number 10 because of their 2-5 and five record in the fall. But one of those victories is against Auburn, and UT Martin doesn't have anything close to that good. In fact, UT Martin visited Auburn and lost pretty handedly. So I think it's kind of crazy to put UT Martin ahead of the Aggies. And as fate would have it, these two teams will meet in a neutral site meet uh, at the end of February, and that will settle which of these two teams is actually better. So just everybody cross your fingers that the NCAA voters are actually awake and, and paying attention by then. Now, there is also a whole division of the NCAA for single-discipline teams that, that all they do is ride the jump and seat events, but none of those teams rode this past week, so I'm going to hold off on their fall, how their fall went, and I'll give it to you in a recap in a few, future episode. And speaking of the recent meets that we had this weekend, let's do some meet recaps. First off, South Dakota State at TCU. So. This meet was just like the classic fairy tale of the tortoise versus the hare. 
only instead of a tortoise, it was a lizard that shoots blood out of its eyes. And as terrifying as that image is, well, that's about the way that TCU manhandled the visiting jackrabbit. TCU took the majority of points in every event, winning fences 3-2, flat 4-0, horsemanship 5-0, and reigning 4-1 for a final score of 16-3. Real good start for TCU. They kicked off the spring with the kind of performance we all expected, and now they're getting ready to host Auburn in a very big number 2 versus number 3 showdown coming up this Friday. The next meet recap is UT Martin at Baylor. This was a big meet for both of these teams because, as you recall from a few minutes ago in the rankings, Baylor is right above the Skyhawks fighting to go to Ocala in April. So, if UT Martin could pull off the big road upset here, then that would make a pretty good case for them sliding into that uh, very important eighth spot in the national rankings. However, once the meet got going, it soon became apparent that the gap between those two teams is pretty substantial. Baylor took the majority of points in every event, winning fences 5-0, the flat 3-1, horsemanship 4-0, and reigning 3-1 for a final score of 15-2. Yikes. Moving right along to South Dakota State at Texas A&M. The Jackrabbits did not fare much better here than they had over at TCU a day earlier. A&M won the majority of points in every event, uh, winning fences 4-1, the flat 4-1, horsemanship 5-0, and reigning 5-0 for a total of 18-2. Double yikes. So sometimes these smaller programs just have to take their lumps, and South Dakota State took 18 lumps on Friday. A&M will now get ready to host Auburn this weekend in a big SEC showdown on Saturday. The next meet to look back at is UT Martin at SMU. Now, after getting thumped by the number eight team, it was probably too much to hope for the Skyhawks to get an upset win over the number one team. And I'll just go ahead and tell you that did not happen, but it was closer than maybe expected. SMU won fences three to two, the flat four to one, horsemanship four to nothing, and went two to two in reigning. So that one was even for everybody. Uh, The final score was 13 to five SMU. So This was a comfortable win for the Mustangs, but UT Martin showed some improvement from the previous day, so I think everybody could take a little bit of something away from this one. And our last meet recap of the weekend is South Dakota State at Baylor. Now, Baylor was in control of this one from the start. The Bears won fences 5-0, the flat 4-1, horsemanship 4-1, and reigning 4-1 as well, for a final score of 17-3. This was a very tough road trip for South Dakota State. It would have been tough for anybody. Riding against three very strong teams like this, again, it's kind of what we expected. And that's all for our meet recaps. recaps, recaps. But I will point out that South Carolina held an intra-squad scrimmage, so they both won and lost this weekend as well. So now we got to pay some bills. So everybody, listen to this ad about some product or service that will totally change your life for the better. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. All right, we're back. I will give everyone just a moment to put down your phones from ordering a bunch of whatever that stuff was that was just advertised during the break. 
And here we go with some meat previews. Now this Thursday, Minnesota Crookston is going to go to UC Davis. I don't hold out a lot of hope for the Golden Eagles here. Just ask Auburn how tough the Aggies are at home. I feel like UC Davis will likely win this one by like 15 to 5, maybe more. Now, if it's just a 4-on-4 meet, obviously they wouldn't score that many points. The score would be something more like 12-4, to I guess. Then, on Friday, we have probably what is the meet of the week with number 3 Auburn at number 2 TCU. This is the front end of a back-to-back pair of road meets that uh, we've seen all season, how tough those can be for teams. So Auburn is, you know, potentially stepping into a very tough situation here. I've also noticed that the visiting teams in these back-to-back meets, they tend to do better in the second meet of the weekend. So I'm kind of thinking that we're going to see TCU win this one by like 10-9 to or maybe a 9-9 to tiebreaker. But it should be a very close meet, very exciting. That same day, Minnesota Crookston is going to face Baylor in a neutral site contest at Fresno, California. Now again, I don't think Crookston will stand much of a chance. Baylor will likely take care of business and probably win this like 15 to 5. Then the Golden Eagles will turn right around and face host Fresno State. Uh, The Bulldogs did not light things up in the fall, but at home they are almost certainly going to get the win over Minnesota Crookston. I'm guessing it's going to be 14 to 4 or if it's a 4 on 4, something like uh, 13 to 3. Then, on Saturday, we're going to have another nice slate of meets. South Carolina will travel to Georgia to begin the day. I think the Bulldogs are going to prevail here, maybe by a lot. I think that with how things ended up in the fall, they really are going to be focused on getting a home victory here. I think this one will likely be about 14-6 to Georgia. Then we have Auburn squaring off against Texas A&M. I'm really unsure of this one. On paper, Auburn should get the victory, but these road meets are so tough. But again, it is the second of a back-to-back meet, uh, dual meet uh, experience road trip thingy for Auburn here. So it makes it maybe a little bit easier for Auburn because, again, they've had that previous day's experience to kind of get used to riding again. But instead of having to worry about and memorize two sets of patterns from here on, they can just forget what those other patterns were and focus only on Texas A&M's patterns. So I'm going to go ahead and say Auburn wins a close, we'll say something like 10 to 9, back and forth kind of a meet over A&M. But I will say that Auburn could lose this one and go 0 for 2 this weekend. This is a tough road trip. Uh, anybody would be would have trouble with this slate. Uh, but that said, if Auburn manages to go 1-1 or 2-0 and this weekend, then the rest of the spring is looking really good with all three of their remaining meets at home. So this is a very big weekend for Auburn. Baylor also faces Fresno State in a key Big 12 matchup. This is a meet Fresno State really has to get if they want to return to Ocala this April. Right now, they are winless, although they probably will have just beaten Minnesota Crookston. But if they cannot beat Baylor at home, they are almost guaranteed to finish outside of the top eight nationally. So, no pressure, Bulldogs. Um, But no, I don't think they're going to get the win. I think Baylor will take this one 13-7 and that Fresno State's uh, uh, troubles will continue. And the final meet of the weekend is a single-discipline meet between Sweetbriar and Georgia. Now, this one is in Athens, and it's likely going to go for the Bulldogs. 
From time to time, we'll see Sweetbriar get a couple of points from these larger schools, uh, and I think that's about what's going to happen this Saturday. I'm not sure if it's going to be a 5-on-5 or 4-on-4, but we'll say that the score is either going to be about 8-2 or 7-1 in favor of Georgia. And that is all of our action to look forward to this weekend. And as always, I want everybody to follow me on Twitter or Instagram for some great pre-meet matchup projections of how the head-to-head scoring will likely go. And then come back here uh, next weekend to listen to me tell you how much I predicted or completely whiffed on from this episode. Regardless, it should be a lot of fun. And that's all for this episode. I am your host, Auburn Elvis. I thank you very much for listening and War Horses. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode on the E2C Network. On your way out, I want to remind you to stop by E2Cnetwork.com. It's your one-stop shop for all our content across our podcast, YouTube channel, and much more. To stay up to date with us, make sure you're following social media accounts such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. While our content here may always be Auburn sports heavy, if it's orange and blue, it's what we do. War Eagle.